Welcome back to Epilogues, a perspective on the weekly Haftarah. You're listening to Rabbi Yaakov Tramp. This week we are looking at the Haftarah of Parshas Baal Eschah. Our Haftarah is drawn from Sefer Zechariah, Perek Beis, Pasuk Yudalot, Perek Dalot, Pasuk Zion. It consists of 21 Psukim. While we learn through this, we have to ask ourselves, why specifically was this text chosen to be the Haftarah of Parshas Baal Eschah? Let's start with a brief overview, then try to understand some brief points to ponder, and then come back to this question. The Haftarah begins with the famous words, Roni v'simchi bas Zion. It is a command, or it is a prophecy, to rejoice the daughter of Zion, because Hashem tells that the, to the nation, that he is going to dwell again um, in the presence of the nation of Israel. Many nations will come together, and I will be among you, and I will inherit you, bequeath to you the land. Everything will be quiet. Everything will be serene when I return to the nation of Israel. That's the first part. That really was the end of Perek Beis in Sefer Zechariah. The next part is the whole of Perek um, Gimel, which is a sum total of 10 Sukkim. In this we hear very curious prophecy where the vision is where, where Zechariah describes where he sees this individual called Yahushua Kohen Godel, Yahushua the high priest, standing in front of the angel of Hashem. And there's a Satan, there's a prosecuting agent on his right who is trying to prosecute him. And Hashem says to the Satan, um, let the Satan get angry with you. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu prevents the Satan from um, from attacking him by explaining, is this not an ember? Is this not a limb of wood that has come out of the fire? And Yoshua at this point in time was wearing dirty clothes, standing in front of the angel, and Hashem, and he says in front of the people there, the angel says in front of the people, please remove your begodim, remove your disgusting clothes, and instead, but wear these simple, these clean clothes as well. Um, he gets a new hat, put, new clothes put on him, um, and he is now reclothed and clean. And Hashem says to Yahshua, if you're going to go my ways, if you keep my laws, and if you're going to, try to keep the posterity of my house, then I'll give you walkers, those who walk among these pillars, or these, those who stand over here. And then, uh, he, then uh, the message is given to Yoshua Kohen Gadol. I'm telling you and your friends, these wondrous people, that I'm going to be bringing my servant Tzemach. Um, and because there's this rock which I have given to Yoshua, which has seven eyes upon it, and I'm going to engrave upon it, that I'm going to bring upon the land um, a, the, this salvation that is good when I remove the sins of this land, and you are going to then all live in, in prosperity. And finally, the last part of this prophecy is the beginning of Perek Dalet in Sefer Zechariah, in which the Malach now wakes up Zechariah, gives him a third prophecy in our short Haftarah, and he asks him what he sees, and he describes that he sees a menorah Zohav Kula, it's a golden candelabra and it has this the, this these seven lamps and each of them have these little seven rivulets these these little pipelines which lead to the oil to them and there are two olive trees um, um which are stand on either side of this and there's this basin with uh, which they which supplies a basin on either side which is supplying 
the um, the oil. And he says, do you know what you're seeing? And he says, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what I'm seeing, says Zachariah. And he explains that you need to tell Zerubavel, that really it's not going to be through strength, it's not going to be through power, rather through my spirit, says Hashem. Um, very, very powerful Avtara, three very powerful images put together from Sefer Zechariah, three different prakim, but very hard to understand what's really going on over here. So it's just worthwhile and try to understand what's happening here. Also, these words may sound familiar because this is also the Haftorah of Shabbos Chanukah. This is the, the first Shabbos of Chanukah is drawn off this Haftorah as well. So what's going on? Let's try to understand a few basic things. The main part we'll focus on is the middle of the three the, the of the three prophecies or visions, and that is this whole episode of Yeshua and Kohen Gadol standing there. He's having his clothes changed. He has his prosecuting agent next to him, the stone of seven eyes. This whole business seems very strange. What really is going on over here? So, first question to ask is why? Why does Yeshua? Let's let's talk about the time. When is this? Before we actually understand who this is, Zechariah was one of the last prophets who we have recorded prophecies of. He lived at the time of the beginning, what's called academically the Second Commonwealth, or what is known as the the time of the, the building of the Second Base of Migdash. Really living at the end of this period of time, the leaders that he is talking to are the two people that he's referring to are Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, in fact, is the grandson of Yehonia one of the last kings of Israel. He is of the Davidic line and he has been sent as a Persian governor to the land of Israel. Remember, Israel is under Persian control. The Jews have been given permission to return to the land of Israel after 70 years. Once Persia has conquered the Babylonians, but only with the, uh, only with the permission of the Persians. At which point they're sent back and Zerubbabel is the leader and Yoshua is the Kohen Gadol. So these are the two leaders, the religious and the um, and the state leaders. Um, so what is, why is it that the Satan, the, the prosecuting agent, is next to Yoshua Kohen Gadol? So a few very interesting observa- uh, observations between the Mepharshim. So for instance, the Ibn Ezra and the Radak say it refers to the Samaritans. The Samaritans were a group of people who lived locally, who were not necessarily, necessarily natives to the land of Israel. They were also moved around into Israel by the Babylonians and the Assyrians before, before them. But they felt that they, were, they, they, they had more of an indigenous claim to the land, even though they were only predated the Jews' return two generations. And they were very disturbed by the Jews coming back and rebuilding the land of Israel. That being the case, um, their decision was to first try to partner with the Jews, and when they were rejected, then to fight the Jews, sending letters to the Persian government, slandering them, and ultimately attacking them, and, and slowing down their construction process of the base of English and the walls of Yerushalayim. So who, are the, who is the Satan over here who's stopping Yoshua, Kohen Gadol, and Zerubbabel? That is these people living in the land of Israel at the time. Now, Babadil says that it's referring to the future. It's not referring to the, the present. That it's referring to the future where the children of Yoshua, Kohen Gadol, are going to be ultimately Matisiel, the Kohen Gadol. And that's, the, that, that's who is represented by his image. And on his right is the Satan, that, that prosecuting agent refers to Antiochus, the Greek kings, um, who are going to attack Matisiel. So it's a refer- future prophecy. More classically, the Malbim quotes the Gemara in Sanhedrin of Tzadi Gimel Aleph, which is a very interesting thing, and that is that there was an actual real prosecution on um, Yosha on a personal level, which was actually affecting him on a communal level. What is the attack over here? What's, what's really happening in this, in this particular case? So the Gemara in Sanhedrin gives us a very disturbing background to this story. That goes back to a prophecy in, in Sefer Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, where it talks about how the Hashem is going to highlight these two people who are symbols of the times. Their names are Achav ben Kulia and Tzidkiah ben Maaseah. 
um, and and they are false prophets, as described by Yirmiyahu. So the, the Gemara goes on to unpack the story and talk about what, what um, in which way were they false. So it describes this really radical test in which Nebuchadnezzar sends his daughters to seduce these two false prophets and, and um, because he knows that the God of Israel hates immorality. And uh, ultimately, when they, they are brought to the test, they are brought in front of Nebuchadnezzar, the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar brings them in front of, of, of the king, her father, and uh, and he says and he says I'm going to test you like I tested your colleagues. Who are your colleagues? So there were three young men, or actually four, but three young men whose names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were um, young Jews who were abducted from Jerusalem as youth, and they were trained in Babylon to be part of the court of Nebuchadnezzar. They received Babylonian names, but they retained their Jewish status, and they they were very. Um, adherent to their tradition and their household. And what ended up happening is, is that when they were forced to make a decision between bowing down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar or clinging to their, their traditional um, and, and their monotheism, they ultimately clung to their monotheism and were thrown into the fiery kiln and survived miraculously. So Nebuchadnezzar proposes that Ahav and Zidkiah, these two individuals, would also be thrown into the fire. They protested this, saying that ultimately we, own, we don't have a third with us, and so Nebuchadnezzar agrees to send them in with Yoshua Kohen Gadol. And what happens is, is that Yoshua Kohen Gadol is thrown in, and his clothes are somewhat singed in the fire. The Gemara questions as to why that is. It sounds like he's protecting them, but perhaps because he was a monk. Um, as soon as he was affected as well, and th- that's that was what was happening. So it's describing the prosecution of Yeshua Kongodal as he protects others, perhaps in this metaphor the Gemara is saying. The Gemara then goes on to say, well, why should his clothes be singed? If he was good by himself, then why should it affect his clothes? So the Gemara says, and unfortunately, his children were not living on the straight and narrow. His children had already assimilated and intermarried in Israel to non-Jewish women. And that was held, held as, a, as a, a responsibility above Yoshua Kohen Gadol's head. And he was being criticized as the leader of the generation to having children not living up to the standards that he should have been living up to. And that's what's been going on over here. And this whole, this whole satan, this, this, uh, this whole court case almost is Yoshua being put on the line because of his children, because of his public position, and because of him being thrown into the furnace, as the Gemara describes, being put to the test of who his identity is as well. Very, very painful thing to hear. Obviously, the image of Udmut Salme Aish, this, this ember which has been pulled out of the fire, this limb which has been pulled out of the fire, obviously is something which has been used very much in the last generation, referring to Holocaust survivors, those who emerged out of the fire. And this is Yoshua Kohen God, who also emerged out of the fire um, as well. As, uh, yeah. Now, what does it mean, his, his soiled garments? So it could mean, as the Gomorrah had described, referring to his children, it's the, the, the garments that he wore, were his children that he did not bring up strong enough. He did not um, cultivate in a way that they lived up to the, ima- up to the image and up to the, their tradition. But the other Mepharshim said that it could be this is the Radak says, remove the sins which are holding you back in general, just generally. You need to fix your, your, your life as well. The Abbanel going back to the future where it's going to be about the Chashmonaim. So he says this is actually an admonition to the Chashmonaim in the future. Is Part of the problem was that, that, that yes, they did a very wonderful thing and they pushed back the Greek culture and the Hellenists in society, but they should have taken off their Begodim and Soim, which refers to the kingship. They were not to be kings. It should not have been that the, 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 that the Kohuna Gedola and the Malchus remained in the same family. They should have removed their clothes. And that's what this prophecy is saying as well. Moving on to another question, who is this Avdi Tzemach, my servant Tzemach? 
So it could be referring to presently in a very real way, like the Ibn Ezra and the, and the Radak says, it refers to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel came from the, the, the line of, of, of David, and therefore he is from Malchus Bez David, the potential to be Mashiach to a certain degree, and he was therefore going to be referring to him. So he could have been this Mashiach-like character, this growth. Tzemach literally means Tzemicha, growth, he could have been it as well. It's interesting to note that the Ibn Ezra, who doesn't usually do this, does mention Derech Drash, a a a a, um, a drash where he suggests that Semach is in the Gematria Menachem, that the Mashiach's name is going to be Menachem. Just interesting aside to think about. The Malvim says that it refers not just to to uh, to Mizrubavel um, specifically, but right now is a, what he calls a messianic um, window. There's an opportunity if they build the base English properly, if they serve Hashem properly, of Mashiach coming. And Akash Baruch is saying Zerubbabel, Yeshua Kohen Gadol, if you do this right. This could be the time, and they didn't ultimately. This was a lost moment. The Mashiach did not come, even though it could have come, and that's what was being referred to over here. Zimeni Mephoshim stretched to find out how could it be that it's referring to now. The Bible says it could have been what it was now, but it didn't end up happening. What is the stone of these seven eyes, precisely? As Ibn Ezra says, it refers to a measuring stone. It's, we talk about the stones that are going to be lifted above, Israel, above, above Jerusalem for the rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding of the base of Migdash. That's what's being referred to over here. Whereas the Bible says on a more Kabbalistic level, Zerubbabel will offer Yoshua Kohen to lay the foundation stone of the Migdash, and he'll engrave on it seven eyes. These are to represent the, se- the Shiva Koch Veleches, the seven stars which present the, the, the natural course of reality. And the, the idea is that the, the Ace of Migdash, the second base of Migdash, is going to be human initiated, as opposed to a lot of the divine help that was received in the first base of Migdash. This is going to be that we're going to have to divine it ourselves. It's going to be part of. The, the way that human beings have to construct it with under the seven stars of the, of the, of the Koch Veleches, which is what is being described over here as well. What is this image of the friends at the end? It says that you're going to be among your friends, by, you're going to be among your colleagues. So the Mavim says is, is that if you build a Beis Aminash, there'll be a time of peace, no longer strife, discord, fighting, which is what it is now. Uh, but the Gemara Sanhedrin says that it refers to Yeshua's other three colleagues, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who did survive the fire, um, unsinged, unhurt, all, um, all together as well. If we move on to the, the image of the, the last parak in the, of our Torah, Perak Dalit, this idea of the menorah and so on, one thing you'll notice which is interesting is that Zechariah is being woken up for his prophecy. Why is he being woken up? Why doesn't he just see this image? So it sounds like this is, this is that he didn't really fully understand what was going on, so he needed to be woken up to be interpreted as well. What are these two olive trees, these, this bowl, this, the, the feeding of the menorah? So I once heard Hanan Porat, one of the founders of the Yeshuvim in Yordan Shomron, talk about this on Hanukkah, and he mentioned that this refers to the two institutions of government, the Kohen and the, and, and, and the governor, Yoshua and Zerubbabel, the two seats of, 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 Jewish, of, of Jewish power, the religious guidance and the state guidance, the importance of both of them working in concert. Rav Rivlin, Rav Avram Rivlin, the Mashkir Kirub Yavne, would always say very beautifully about this Haftarah is that this is very different to the menorah that is seen in the Mishkan or even in the Migdash, where it is human lit and it is human created. Here you have this miraculous menorah and it is being fed naturally. It is the oils coming naturally from the trees to the bowl into the, the different um, um, cups. And that's an, in, um, an indication of the idea that this, this menorah, this, uh, the, this image of what could be is a Baruch Hu, 
in a certain sense, being in charge of Yahash Kodesh Baruch being the power behind all the other powers. Don't think it's you, don't think it's your building, don't think it's your armies. Hashem is going to be the one behind all this as well. Why the menorah exactly? So the Chidah says it refers to Torah, the, the idea, the only entity which will escort us through Golas will be the Torah, and that's what's going to give us the strength and the guidance. So as the Mammon says, it's bigger than that. It's about the light in the world. It's the seven spheros, the seven different orbs, the different different apertures of Hashem's um, interacting energy in this world, and the, that, that is represented by this. If you do this right, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence will be felt in this world through the menorah in the rest of the world as well. Um, it should be obvious to us that this, this is the reason why this is related to the, the prophecy of the, the Haftorah of Hanukkah. Um, but it obviously also relates to Parshas Baaloscha. Coming back to the original question, why is the, the Haftorah of Parshas Baaloscha as well? It could be the, the menorah which is described at the beginning of Baaloscha, but it could also be that Parshas Baaloscha describes the walking of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the presence of the nation of Israel with the Aaron among the camps. And yeah, we are recollecting ourselves the second Bezimilash, now moving back to the land of Israel. It's the second time we're coming in. And Akash Baruch Hu describing the importance of him behind all of our actions as well. And the message seems to be, as the Malbim concludes, that when Mashiach ben David will come, it will not be through might, but it will not be through the sword, but it will be through the word of Akash Baruch Hu. Akash Baruch Hu will ultimately lead this process in the best possible way. With this, we conclude this Avatar. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.